0: This is Keith Rainwater with the Designated Drummer Podcast, and I'm so glad you joined me this week. Um, I have uh, something that I want to talk about that I have been wanting to mention uh, for a lot of years to students and people that are interested and ask questions about different things, and that is something that is relatively new to me because I've been doing this for 40 years. I've been playing drums for 40 years now. Um, This last spring was my 40th year to play drums professionally and uh, i have seen some changes happening in the industry and in music and in uh, just about everything especially drumming over the years that i have seen change and one of the biggest things that uh, has changed in the world and in the world of music is technology and i want to talk about that today in my podcast i want to cover really four main Topics of how technology is changing or has changed uh, the music industry. And I know some of these are pretty obvious, some things like uh, social media and stuff like that. But um, I just want to talk about from a personal standpoint, from where I was 40 years ago and what it was like back then for some of you youngsters out there that, um, you know, listen to that cool music from the 80s. I started out in 1982 playing professionally and just getting out there and making music and rehearsing with bands and getting in and out of bands and that kind of thing. And uh, how things have changed from back then when there wasn't that much technology. Most of the technology was like in the studio, and that's kind of where everything sat. You had to have a lot of money. You had to have somebody like a backer or a rich parent or, or a rich uncle or something like that um, to be able to afford to be able to go in the studio as a young person. Now, if you're like a lawyer or something like that, you know, and you, back in 1982, if you had a lot of money and you were a songwriter or you just wanted to put a band together, you had money, you could, you know, probably go in the studio, but you really had to have a lot of money and a lot of, uh, resources and things like that to be able to go in the studio, A a professional recording studio with 24 tracks with all the expensive microphones and a board that cost about, you know, close to a million dollars probably. And you had to have a lot of money. And I think probably somewhere in the range of probably $1,500 to about $2,000 could probably get you. Maybe you could maybe record an album if you were fast about it and you did a bunch of pre production and you already knew how you wanted everything to sound and you weren't just camping out in the studio, you could you could take a couple of thousand dollars and go in and record an album. And then once you were done with that, once you were done recording and you mixed it and all that, you had sort of like maybe a cassette tape or something like that you could pass around and all that. Now, if you wanted to sell records and press the records and all that, that was uh, you had to have deeper pockets and you had to have a lot of money to get some kind of limited pressing done. and So anyway, it was just really a lot of expense and a lot of uh, backing that you had to have. You had to have people that really believed in your music, people that had the money that were willing to invest in you and get some records pressed and try to get somewhere at radio. You had to have a relationship at the radio stations to be able for them to... Because there was no social media back then, back in the 80s. You didn't have social media. You had... Uh, television and you had radio and you had uh, bulletin boards and you would play live and you would try to get booked at a club somewhere and people would come out and see you. It was really a slow process and it took a matter of years really for a band, even a really good band, to get somewhere to where they were selling records enough and getting out on the road. Now, if for some reason a band back then Uh, was really good. And someone that was already touring, someone that would already had some success, just happened to hear you and say, Hey, I want you to come out on tour with us. And then this, this actually happened with the band Boston back in the seventies. They had made their album and they were passing it around to some radio stations. They got a record deal on Epic and they got some little bit of radio airplay and uh, they started touring with Bands, I think it was Rod Stewart or somebody, I can't remember who the big tour was, but Boston got on tour on an opening slot with some big rock tour, then Halen or whatever it was, and um, they started selling more records, and the, the ball started rolling then, but man, I mean, you had to, and and you know, Tom Schultz, the guitar player and producer of Boston, he recorded all that stuff that you hear on Boston's first album. He recorded in his own basement on his own equipment with his own songs that him and maybe Brad the singer uh, wrote together, but mostly Tom. Uh, And that was kind of like the first really that I ever heard of uh, someone sort of like recording on their own equipment. And that's one of the things I want to talk about how technology has changed in not just drumming, but in well, the music business and all that. But nowadays you can go in. And before I start talking about recording, I'm going to talk about one of the first things that uh, came up to my mind was information uh, about everything, about the fact that you can just get on Google. You can Google uh, Google and YouTube, those two things right there. have You have a wealth, a whole you know world of information at your literally at your fingertips on your phone that you can pull up at any time hey who played on what album and what uh who played drums on this steely dan album or whatever and and not only that um the fact that now you can go on YouTube and you can look up a song and most likely somebody has posted on YouTube a track of the drums only on any given song try and if you don't believe me try it look up uh hot for teacher by van halen wow that drum track sounds really cool of course you don't really need to solo those drums you can hear pretty much the whole song they're really loud in the mix but if you wanted to hear just the drums on something like uh you know boston albums or anything like that uh, or van halen you could just look it up and say uh type in youtube um hot for teacher drums only and it'll someone probably has I haven't looked it up, but I I know pretty much about 90% that someone has posted a drums-only track of Hot for Teacher or pretty much any other song, any other popular song, and hear just the drums only. And that's a pretty cool tool. I wish we could have had that back in the 80s. It would have really helped me a lot when I was trying to figure out what to play on a certain song when a band would say, hey, we're going to learn this song. I could pretty much hear what to play, but if I wanted to know exactly what to play, what that drummer played, to be able to solo that up on a, on a, a recording would, just, would have just been great. Um, also, uh, you know, like looking up drum lessons on, uh, on YouTube or on Google or any, any question about equipment or what a certain kit costs or how drums are made or what symbols are available for Um, what a particular brand of Zildjian or whatever you could just basically go online and look up any kind of information you want and before the information highway came out you know the internet we did just pick up a modern drummer magazine and hope that there was some information in there about that I mean think about it we didn't have Google and things like that we could maybe go to the music store the local music store, and ask the guy behind the counter, "Hey, what kind of symbols does Zildjian? Do you have a catalog of Zildjian symbols? What what's what's out there? What can I? What do I have to choose from? How much do they cost? Um, uh, what what's discontinued now? Do they still have this kind of symbol? Or, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And we were kind of just subject to whatever they had. You know, we went to the music store, and they had this kind of symbol, we would buy that. And if they had this kind of drums, if you had enough money, you could buy that um, and used, used drums, you know, you could maybe look in the newspaper and there might be, uh, uh, you know, advertised in there in the classifies, it might say drum kit for sale or a uh, band looking for a drummer or whatever. Um, you know, we just had to, and lessons like drum lessons and things like that. We just had to find a teacher and hope that they were good and hope that they were a good teacher. that would teach you things that you needed to know and give you lessons and and teach you what to practice because that's really important what to practice now you can go on youtube and and select you know thousands of different really really good drum teachers and just take your pick of free lessons free absolutely scot-free you know we used to have to i remember i had to pay seven dollars and fifty cents uh, 750 i think uh a week and i would take a 30-minute lesson from this teacher at the local music store And me and this other drummer, Bill, we used to ride share. He didn't have a car and I had a car. So we ride share to the music store and I would take my lesson and he would rummage around in the store and look at drums and things. And then when I was done, he would go in and take his lesson for 30 minutes and I would rummage around the store and look at stuff. And that was the way we had to learn. If you wanted to learn, take lessons, you had to find a teacher and you had to do it face to face. And of course, with technology now, it's pretty amazing. You could just go on and get free lessons anywhere on youtube from thousands of different teachers it's it's pretty awesome um uh so yeah um it's pretty amazing what you can find technology wise on the web you can even um go on if you're me say recording a song or something like that you can go on youtube and type in drum machine a drum beat uh hip-hop drum beat uh at 80 beats per minute well, let's just let's make it more specific 82 beats per minute you could probably find that on the internet a whole bunch of different drum beats that sound really cool to, that you want to maybe practice with or add to a song or something like that. Um, you would you wouldn't have to buy a drum machine like we we used to have to do back in the day if you wanted a, some rhythm tracks or something for something you're working on or something that you wanted to record. Maybe it's wanted something kind of sound, to sound a little bit like. Uh, like Genesis or something who would start out songs sometimes with a drum machine and then live drums would come in. If you, uh, you know, if you wanted that, you would have to go buy a drum machine and program, learn how to program it and all that stuff. Now you just go on YouTube and say hip hop drums, 82 beats per minute, whatever. And you probably find, you know, 40 or 50 or how many ever, a hundred thousand different uh, YouTube videos that have like 10 minutes or whatever, or longer. Of a drumbeat or a click or anything that you need. So, technology is definitely in your face all the time, anytime you want it, day or night, um, it's there. And it's free. That's the cool thing about it. Um, so, no excuse for <laughs> for not being able to find a cool drumbeat or a, or a click or something like that. And, you know, even more than that, uh, you know, and I'll mention this later about apps and things like that. You can just get a free drum machine app and program that drum machine in yourself and you have an instant drum loop or a cool drum beat to practice to or whatever. That's in perfect time. And, uh, that's pretty neat. That's pretty neat that you can have that and then that that's out there. Uh, okay. So the next thing I'm going to mention is a pretty big, pretty big subject. And that's just the fact of recording, recording technology has gotten so cheap nowadays. Anybody, can go on i think you can even use an online recording platform i think online where you can just record your tracks online uh you don't even have to you know, you have to have a computer pretty much a computer or a phone or something like that and you can record multi-track for free pretty much any time but let's just say you had a couple of hundred dollars you could buy a used mac or windows computer you could get something like GarageBand or uh there's you know Hundreds of different programs out there that you can record multi-track on, that are that sound really good, and um, I want to tell you a story about how the Black Keys. Now, if you if you think that oh well yeah if you buy cheap equipment it's going to sound terrible you know you're going to sound like you were trying to save money or you recorded for cheap. Okay, so the Black Keys back in the I want to say it was the mid '90s. They uh, the the guitar player and singer contacted the drummer and they got together and they were just going to record a demo so all they had was uh the drummer pat he had a little eight track digital recorder which was the sort of technology at the time it was a you know maybe a, i don't know five or hundred or a thousand dollar machine or something like that back in the day he had bought that and he had a set of drums in his garage and i think two microphones is all he had and so uh Dan the singer and guitar player wanted to record a demo so they just said well let's just use your little eight track I don't have enough money to go into a big full studio plus we don't even have that many band members he goes all my band members didn't even show up for the demo it's just you and me so he went in they went in the two of them went in and they just recorded some songs that Dan had written and they laid it down and they made a tape they made a cassette tape uh, they mixed it all down on their little 8-track thing, recorded the drums first, and then they had guitar, and they put the vocals in, and they just did a little multi-track thing. a very simple uh, drums, bass, and guitar, maybe with a little bit of keyboard or something, some kind of little bells or something like that. And it was very, very simple, raw recordings, and they put their tape out, and they immediately got a record deal. They got a response from a record label, like an indie label that they sent it out to. And they got a response and they got uh, signed. They said, well, yeah, okay, well, we'll put your your music out if you'll um, promise to go out and tour. Because in order to sell records, you got to go play. And they go, well, we don't have a bus or anything. And said, well, we'll let you work that out. So they got a little minivan and they started traveling around, just the two of them, not even a full band, just Pat and Dan. And they went out and they started playing their music that they had written and recorded and that kind of thing in some punk clubs and things like that. A couple of opening slots for things and they got offered their recordings as is that was recorded on their little 8-track digital you know recorder, their little Roland, whatever it was, 8-track, a digital recorder. They uh, got offered to have their music played on some big national TV commercials. And they turned it down at first because they thought it would be selling out. You know, their manager had told them, don't do that because you're going to sell out. Your audience, your people that are listening to you would not like that if they heard your music. They would consider that you've sold out and they wouldn't. They would hate you. So they turned it down. But then after a while, they finally realized that, well, we're getting offered so much money to put our music in commercials that we should go ahead and do it because it's more money than we make in like a whole year of touring. So they went ahead and did it against the advice of their manager. And then, of course, this is right about in the, I want to say the, uh, when YouTube first started to come out and people would put their commercials out on YouTube and then people were, it might have been even before YouTube, but in the early 2000s, they were getting some, you know, people asking, like, who is this band on this awesome Cadillac commercial or this this whatever commercial? Uh, Because it sounded really raw and really cool. But the fact that, and the point I'm making is that they recorded their albums on just a little simple eight track. And I heard a story that even when they had enough money to go into like a big recording studio somewhere, like say Muscle Shoals or something like that, Muscle Shoals Sound, um, then they, they had enough money to hire an engineer and go in and have a bunch of session players. But it, I, from what I hear that I think that they went ahead and booked the studio, but they went ahead and brought their eight track in there anyway And just record it because that's the way they were used to recording. And they went ahead and recorded their album on this little eight track, but it was in a better studio, like the drum sounded uh, the drum room that they were recording instead of a garage. It was like an actual studio, but they went ahead and used their little eight track because that's what they were used to doing. That's just the way, that was the charm and the quality of their music, or maybe even the lack of quality, maybe the fact that it was really raw sounding that people really liked. It sounded timeless. You couldn't tell if their music was recorded in the 60s, in the 70s, in the 80s, or in the 90s. And that's what I think what was really cool about them, is it was really raw. And the way they played uh, off of each, it sounded like they just did it sort of in one take, which was really cool, and it raw sounding. and I think that's what young people really liked about the Black Keys, and I'm a huge fan. And to this day, they're selling out stadiums and all that stuff based on albums that they made in their garage on cheap equipment. And I guess that's my point, is you don't have to have a bunch of money to record an album. You can just get an iPad and one microphone, if you wanted, just one microphone and an iPad, and you can put together an album's worth of material and put it out there on the internet, on Spotify or whatever. And if it just, the lyrics are cool and the vibe is really neat, it can have an 80s vibe to it with a cool cheap synthesizer or anything. And you just create a style and you stick with that style and you stand behind what you do and then you just get it out there. And chances are people will buy your material and they'll come see your shows and that kind of thing. And so technology has definitely... Um, uh, made it affordable for just anybody to have an idea to get out there. You don't have to have thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to go into a studio like you did in the 70s and the early 80s. You could just do it on your own and put it out there, and I think that's really cool about technology right now. Um, Another thing you can do as a drummer, let's say, in the recording subject of recording is that you have like let's say a little computer and you've got like Pro Tools which is kind of sort of an industry standard now pretty much either Logic Pro or Pro Tools which doesn't cost a ton of money you know you can get I think Pro Tools for like $600 or something like that and you have some kind of a little I.O. device that in out device that you can plug a microphone into into your computer uh, like a um, basically a interface like an audio interface those aren't terribly expensive. And what I'm trying to say is, as a drummer, you can go in and record tracks for other people. And I've seen a thing on there. There's several platforms on there, but one is called Air Gigs. And I saw a thing where you can actually go on Air Gigs and you create your own page and say something like, I'm a drummer, and here's my information. Here's what I've played on before. Here's some some samples of my work. Here's the style that I normally play in. And, uh, you know, let's, uh, you know, send me a track with a click and an idea of what you want and I will play drums for you. And here's my price. Here's my, here's my fee. And you set the fee. If it's uh, you know, hundred dollars a song, if it's $10 a song, it just doesn't matter. You set the price, you set it up through air gigs and They uh, will search around and find drummers, and they'll say, hey, I really like the way this guy plays, and they'll send you the information. It could be somebody—and I heard of a guy here in Nashville I talked to, and he was doing songs for a guy in Germany, uh, a songwriter, a singer and songwriter, and I guess producer— over in Germany, who really liked the way he played, and he caught, he had him play on a couple songs. He really liked the way he played, so he kept sending him work, and every time I talked to him, he would say, yeah, I'm doing another track for this German guy, this German produce, this German uh, band or whatever, um, and I thought that was pretty cool. That's definitely worldwide, and when you think about that, that the fact that your air gig's page or whatever is going out worldwide and that you can play for somebody in France or Germany or Russia or wherever you know uh, South America Um, you can and even though they have drummers there but the fact that they saw you and they liked the way you played and they liked your price and you got a quick turnaround and that kind of thing I've seen people on air gigs where uh, this girl was a singer she would sing background vocals harmonies for other people and they liked, everybody liked the way she sounded so much that, she, that word got around and she was getting, every day she was getting people contacting her and saying, we need you to sing on this record. We need you to, we love the way you sound. We love your vocals. We love your, your harmonies. We love the way you do. Um, can you sing on this thing? And she was getting so much work that it was like a full-time job for her now. And I, I love stories like that, that somebody that just has uh, a little bit of talent, or a lot of talent, but they just don't know how, have, they're not with a touring band. They don't know how to get a gig with some big, you know, Ronnie Millsap or, you know, um, Lady Gaga or whatever. You know, maybe someday they will, but they can definitely be discovered on something like this Air Gigs. And let's say back to the drumming subject, you put your page out there and you say, I charge $100 a song and you send me, you know, you have some kind of thing on there that says, Hey, let's get, let's get something started. Send me your song and, and let's, let's work. Let's, let's get this thing done. Anyway, they'll contact you and they'll pay you and you can make almost a living, I guess, if you really got good at it and you got enough people out there that liked the way you played and they were making albums at home, especially when COVID was going on. Oh my God. I bet there was a lot of drummers that probably made pretty good money, probably better money, um, uh, pl- recording at home with air gigs than they would have like playing at club somewhere or something um, anyway so that's one good really good way recording for other people um, also another way that technology has changed in the recording uh, genre is um, the fact that you can record yourself you can practice and record yourself and practice recording um, practice your recording techniques. And so back in the day in the 80s, when you, if you wanted studio experience, and I'm telling you playing live and playing in the studio are two completely different animals. Playing live is one thing. You play, um, you know, you can speed up, slow down, whatever you want to do. You can, you, the music goes out there. People listen to it. They have fun. You put on a show live. That's one thing. And it's it's it's, you know, people hear it and it's gone. Recording—that's a whole nother thing. Techniques of recording—you don't just become a session player overnight. It takes—it takes a lot of practice and a lot of experience playing in the studio. And you don't get experience—you don't just go and uh, go to the studio. You can, if you had a lot of money, you could go to the studio and say, "Hey, I want to—I want to set my drums up in here. And I just want to record my drums only, and I just want to hear myself back." Okay, here's fifteen hundred dollars for a day or two or whatever. And I'm just going to record myself playing and I hope I sound good and practice my recording techniques. It's hard to do, man. Back then, you couldn't do that. You had to either be in a band or you had to hang out at the studio and hope that somebody would hire you to play on a demo or something like that. You know, it really, it was hard to get experience. And I had, you know, back in the 80s, I had almost zero studio experience. I played in the studio maybe twice through the whole 80s. I think I recorded once in the mid-80s. I was There was a girl I was playing with. Uh, she was a fiddle player, and we went in and recorded a demo, and I got to play on that. That was my first time to ever play in the studio. It was another time when I was trying to put a band together. After I was in Canyon for a little while, I tried to put a band together in the late 80s, early 90s, and I got to play in the studio a little bit. I still had no experience. So nowadays with Pro Tools and Garage Band and uh, logic, and things like that on your computer, you can go in and record your drums, and listen to yourself back against a drum machine, or with other instruments, or whatever, and see what you sound like recording, and develop kind of a style of recording in the studio, depending on how your technique is, you you hit hard, do you hit soft, are you jazzy, do you, do you have kind of a loose, uh, sort of buttery feel to the way you play, it just depends on your experience, and what you want to be remembered as a studio session player, you know? And the best session players are like chameleons. They can just play anything. They can play any style. Hey, this song has a jazzy feel to it. Okay, I'll play a jazzy style to it. This thing has a hard hitting four on the floor type thing. Well, I'll play that, you know? But you don't, it, you have to have experience in and having had played that before in the studio to be able to really know how to pull that off. So I guess my point is, you can record your practice and listen back to it and develop some kind of session playing style whereas before it would have cost a lot of money or taken years of experience to just to get you know um another thing is you can record your demos you can record demos if you're putting a band together and you want your band to to get like tom Scholes did you know in boston back in the mid 70s um you have your own equipment. You record your own demo and you send it out there. And you're putting a band together and you're trying to say, "Hey, this is what we sound like. This is our style. Um, please book us in your club or whatever." You know, you could at least get a demo recorded for next to nothing. You just have the guy show up and you record your stuff. And if it, you could actually do multi-track and edit it and that kind of thing and and master it and uh, get a pretty decent sound you know before we used to have to try and do demos like on a cassette tape where we set up a little mixer or we had live on stage at our gigs we were playing and we would have the sound man we had a sound man we'd have him put a cassette tape into the board and we would say okay here we go let's do this live and we would try to get a good live sort of demo out of it that's about what we had to do back then if you didn't have a bunch of money you could just record live on stage, like um, during the day, like when the crowd wasn't there, when you were rehearsing or whatever. We we did that. We tried that many times. And the cool thing about that is you could make multiple takes of it. You could say, oh, "Let's try it again," but let's how does that sound? And okay, let's turn the drums down a little bit or turn the bass up a little bit or whatever. And you could get a decent mix, but it took trial and error. And uh, record your band. Yeah, you know you can, you know you can get uh, a pretty good sound on your you know, your equipment that you have now, you know, your Pro Tools or your Logic or whatever. And that's really cool, you know. I mean, you know, like I said, back in the day, it was really hard to get recording experience. You had to have money or you had to uh, have a backer or something like that to be able to go in the studio and figure that out. Uh, okay, so the next thing I'm going to talk about is social media. And this is where technology has really just changed the whole industry in a way that... You know in a pretty profound way and so that record labels in uh, the mid 2000s to the late 2000s were having a well no I shouldn't say the late 2000s I should say um, 2008 9 something like that When when YouTube and social media started really exploding and and Spotify and things like that um, record labels were having a hard time selling records because you could go and get it for free on spotify or youtube or whatever and um they bands could now you could just go you didn't need a record deal you didn't need radio airplay and you didn't need um to go uh, to the radio station and try and talk them into playing your record of course they still did that but uh the number of artists at the record label like say rca narrowed down so far because they were putting all their eggs into kind of like very very few baskets back then instead of having a whole bunch of artists they kind of put their money into just a few like they had like keith urban taylor swift and brad paisley that's all we're spending our money on we're done we're not we're going to cut loose all these other bands that we have on the roster and other bands you know you just didn't need the label anymore to get radio airplay and that kind of thing. Cause you had things like YouTube and Spotify and stuff like that. And social media that you could get your name out there and you could get your music out there and things like that. You could self-release an album and make enough money so that you could make enough money from your music that you're selling. And of course your live gigs and things like that and promote yourself. You didn't need radio airplay. It, of course it helped to have that of course, But now you've got satellite radio and things like that. And, um, gosh, you know, I hate to sound like constantly like back in the day, but seriously, back in the day, um, getting your name, um, you know, speaking about social media and things like that back in the day when we didn't have social media, just to get your name out there to try and get a gig. If I was a drummer looking for a band, here's what we had to do. And everybody did it. You had to go to the music store. And they had a bulletin board at the music store that other musicians would see. And you would put, if you were a drummer looking for a, a gig, you would write down on a piece of paper, drummer looking for gig. Country, you put your different styles that you play. Um, have a really pro kit. Um, and I play country. And I play progressive country. Whatever your, your style was. You would just put a little ad, little pin it up on the bulletin board and hope that somebody would call you and you would do the thing like you put your telephone number a whole bunch of times at the bottom and then you would cut little slits in where someone if they wanted your number they could rip it off of there you know and take it home with them we used to do that a lot and sometimes you'd get a call and some a lot of times you wouldn't you know I was in a music store back in 1982 when actually 81 before I had gone pro And I was trying to go pro. I was trying to get my name out there where, um, and a friend of mine said, you know, you you're practicing a lot in your garage and all that stuff, but you really need to get your name out there. You, no one's going to come knocking on your garage and go, "Hey, I heard you playing drums. We're putting a band together. Would you be our drummer?" He said you got to go put your name up. So he, we went up there. He took it was my old next door neighbor Victor. We went up to the music store and I put my name on the bulletin board. And it just so happened that there was a there was a band there that was looking for a drummer. Talk about serendipity. There was a band looking for a drummer, and my friend, Victor, had said to them, hey, um, you guys, what are you guys, a band or something? I said, yeah, we're just trying to find a drummer. And he said, here's your drummer right here. <laughs> and it just so happened that they were looking for a drummer. And I we exchanged information. And uh, we I went to their rehearsal. I kind of auditioned for them. And I ended up playing with them for a little bit. It wasn't really like a touring band or anything like that. They were just kind of a local band playing. They were older guys, older country musicians that were looking for a drummer and they just thought a young drummer might be kind of cool to have you know so I played with him a little bit and then eventually I went full-time with another band uh, that was more my age there were people just a little bit older than me that had put a band together and they were playing clubs and that kind of thing and I got the gig with them and that was my first band in 1982 but I guess my point is we didn't have social media back then we had to put our name up on a bulletin board and we had to wait for the phone to ring and you had to go out to clubs and look at other bands and put your name out there and say hey i'm a drummer looking for a gig have you heard of anything anybody looking for a drummer and you had to just put the word out there through word of mouth you know and now you got social media you can start your own youtube channel and do cover music or whatever and now here's a really cool story about journey the singer for Journey. Uh, back when Steve Perry had quit the band and they were just off the road, you know, and they weren't doing much. And uh, they had heard on, there was a YouTube channel of a, a band out of, I guess, Korea. And uh, I don't know exactly the story, but I had heard that they had a YouTube channel and they, the people in Journey had seen the singer for this, YouTube, This, uh, sorry, this uh, um, Journey cover band out of Korea and they saw this singer, and they, it blew them away. They were like, he sounds just like Steve Perry. So they somehow, through the YouTube channel, they contacted him, and he then became, what uh, wasn't too much longer that he was actually the singer for Journey. He didn't even speak English, you know. And they got him in the band, and it was amazing because he got up on stage. He sang those songs, even though he didn't really know what the words were, I guess, because he didn't speak English, but he had studied those albums, and it was like listening to a digital recording of Steve Perry. And they were so impressed with his vocal that they hired him. And he is, I think, the singer that you see now with Journey. And I don't know his name, but um, he is from Korea. And they found him through YouTube. And so I guess my point is, is you as a drummer or a musician, you can start your own TikTok channel, YouTube channel, whatever, um, Instagram. And you can get your name out there. And people will hear you groove to songs. And and people that are looking to put a band together, you can put a band together yourself as a non-working drummer, you can say, hey, okay, let's, I'm going to find some other musicians and I'm going to look on YouTube and TikTok and all that. And I'm going to find some people in my local area and I'm going to put together this band. And it's just amazing what you can do with this social media thing now. And, um, you know, it's kind of like your own, you're, you are your own label. You can control your own destiny. Whereas before you really had to rely on people with money and connections and you had to have a manager and you had to have people with money and that kind of thing and you really had to you had to really have your stuff together to be able to get out there on the radio and record stuff in a studio and play live and all that. I mean, you could play clubs forever and you know, we we played clubs all over Dallas, Fort Worth area in the eighties and it was really hard to get a record deal. I mean, you had to you had to play for a long time and you had to make connections and you had to get a manager and an entertainment attorney. And it was just the record labels weren't just signing anybody. I mean, you had to have your stuff together and nowadays you don't even have to have a record label. You can sell your music through, um, you know, different, different things like, um, you can put your music on Spotify and get like a billion streams. And I, and you know, we've recently opened up for, you know, here we are Lone Star. We've had 10 number one songs and, you know, we've had, uh, ACM and CMA awards and all that, and not too long ago, we opened up for somebody. I mean, when I say opened up, I mean we played before. We were the opening act for another band that had played, that that got their fame off of Spotify. They had like a bazillion streams on spotify and i don't remember the name of the band but i'd never heard of them before but they they filled that place up there were so many people there screaming and yelling at some song that they had put out on spotify and that kind of thing and it just it made me it kind of took me aback for a minute thinking like you know they probably didn't even have a record label they probably just put their music out and succeeded Where others had failed because their music was really good and they just really believed in themselves and they put a YouTube channel out and they put their stuff on Spotify and they got uh, it, went viral. And that is very, very possible nowadays and it's amazing. And um, so, anyway, yeah, be your own record label, you know, write your own songs, put them out there, record them yourself on your laptop or whatever. It's amazing what you can do with this technology now that we didn't have back in the day. And uh, so that brings, my, brings me to my fourth thing, which is apps, like tools and apps on your phone. You just have your phone. That's really all you need. Really, think about it. You have this thing in your pocket that you can record on. You can post things on the internet. You can sell tickets. You can uh, call people. <laughs> the snail way to do it, the old way to do it. You can call people on the phone and uh, book things. You can uh, post things to YouTube. You can, it's just amazing what you can do with your phone. You can even hook up a, a device up to your phone that you could multitrack with. You know, that's pretty amazing that you can actually do that. Hook an, in, uh, an IO device, an input-output uh, device that you have that you can hook up th- on your phone or your iPad and record tracks for an album mix it everything put it out on social media and all that so you have a lot of tools and things on your your phone if you want a tuner to tune a guitar you can just get it for free on your phone if you want a drum machine you know that you can program drum parts in if you want to shoot video if you want to shoot a music video for god's sake Back in the day, if you wanted to shoot a music video, you had to hire a director and you had to, you know, put it on CMT or MTV or whatever, you know, you had to have a lot of money to do that. Nowadays, you can shoot 4K ProRes full professional video on your phone and release it out on YouTube and it could look amazing. You can even edit it on your phone. So, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, go out there, create some music and video content and decide what you're going to be who you're going to be and just believe in yourself and go out there create write and record and be your own record label be your own boss your own control of your own destiny and now i will say one thing i'm going to try to keep this podcast fairly short because i I could i could go on on and on, on and on about technology and how it's changed and all that stuff and back in the day and all that stuff, but I will say one drawback, one thing that I hate to see that really bugs me, and I hope that some of my friends who, who do this aren't thinking I'm getting on to them, but when you're on stage, I see people on stage playing live gigs, and they have that dreaded iPad in front of them on a stand in front of them, and they're looking down at their iPad, whether it's lyrics or if you're controlling something with it or whatever, I, that that to me, that is just such a show killer. I, I just can't imagine somebody putting on a great show, someone like Jay-Z or, or whoever, you know, like, um, you know, someone out there doing a big show and they have an iPad in front of them. You just don't see that. You have to learn the songs. You have to, and I know a lot of people are doing fill-in gigs and pickup gigs and things like that but my advice to you is throw that iPad away. Don't throw it away, but I mean, pack it away in your backpack, Put take it off the stage, make it not a part of your show and just learn to perform, put on a good show, learn to improvise, learn to learn the songs that you're going to do and have them in your head. And, you know, if, if you have to write out a chart, maybe that's cool, but, but that iPad on a stand in front of you, I hate to see that. And I hope that more people will learn to... Learn their songs and learn their craft and put on a great show and create your content and perform it with your heart and really get out there and create something that people wanna hear and that they will listen to and that they will embrace and they'll go back to time and time again and talk about to other people and send texts through this technology thing and say, hey, have you heard this new band that I just heard, I saw them on YouTube and I went out and saw them at this show locally here and they were amazing, and they just put on such a great show, and that needs to be you. That needs to be you, the performer, the guitar player, the drummer, whatever. Use that technology behind the scenes and create your craft, your videos, your your music, your whatever it is. Create your TikTok videos and all that. Use technology. Use it and learn how to use it well, and use that in, as a tool in your career, but don't rely on it so much on stage and i will say that we, that we do lone star we do use quite a bit of technology on stage and we have upped our production quite a bit in the last couple of years we've added video screens to our show which dean our keyboard player has really done a great job in finding the technology the 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 programs and all the things that 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 make up that video screens he's found uh, the content the he's edited together the, the 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 clips that you see when we play live and he's um, found a guy uh, that is actually a good friend of ours that knows how to sew together the actual computer uh, programs and things like that with the video footage and uh, like when I'm playing I'll listen to a click track and start and stop the video And that has helped my playing a lot, being able to play to a click track live. Because I've been playing to a click track for quite a while, but not on every song, but now with this video stuff, it's pretty much every song. There's a click going. And I it has helped my playing a lot, being able to play to a click and playing and know that that, that that video content is out there for people to enjoy and to add and enhance our show um, and I do have an iPad on stage, but it's only so that I can, if we change the order of the songs, I can start a different song. I can punch up a different song and then hit the foot switch and it will start that song and the video content that goes with that song and that kind of thing. But, um, I don't use, I don't ever look at the, the, the iPad while I'm playing. I just know the songs. We've rehearsed them. We all know them in and out. We, we do our show and we do it well. And I, hope that you will too. I hope that you'll use the technology that's out there now that's amazing that you have in your pocket and at your disposal and create something really, really good with it and use it and put your music out there and for people to enjoy. And I hope that you will someday have as good a career as I've had and, and continuing to have and enjoy getting out there and making music for people and knowing that that technology had something to do with it And has something to do with it when we play Um, but really it's all about putting on a good show writing a good song and entertaining people that's what it's all about and if it takes technology to do that man go for it or if it's just uh, getting in there and recording your song on a cassette tape recorder it doesn't matter if that's what you're all about if you want to take the route that the black keys did then then that's awesome do it but own it you know do it well and get out there and perform and let people enjoy what you do and i hope that you have enjoyed this podcast and speaking of technology it's been great having this podcast a designated drummer to be able to get out there and i'm recording right now on i'm actually recording in garage band right now and i edit in garage because it's simple and i just i have pro tools and all that stuff too but it's a lot more complicated and harder to uh you know get everything out there um to mix and edit and all that stuff. But GarageBand is the tool that I use to edit my podcasts and uh, I hope you enjoy it. And I hope uh, you'll keep listening to Designated Drummer when I have some guests on here, some very interesting people that I have coming up. We've been out on tour for the last couple of weeks and haven't been able to line up anybody yet to sit down in front of and talk to. Um, But I have uh, come up with some ideas like this one about technology and I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope that you'll continue to listen to Designated Drummer. And I hope that you will, you know, use technology, like I said, and your um, gig coming up and your gigs and your recordings and your live shows or whatever. And I hope this has helped you. And until next time, this is Keith Rainwater on Designated Drummer. See you next time.